Hello everyone, welcome to Stacking Cheddar with Anton and Seb. Today we've got a special guest in from uh, Carriage, Qatar. Monsieur Hani is joining us for a special session where we're going to talk things growth, we're going to chat a bit about digital marketing, we're going to get onto some geeky topics, but yeah, I think let's kick it off Anton with getting to grips on what Hani's done, what where he is now, what his past was. Hani, over to you. Hello, gentlemen. This is so exciting, guys. I'm a bit nervous as well. At the same time, it's going to be my first podcast, so bear with me uh, if I stumble and fall on my face. Um, so, yeah, my name is Hani, like uh, Seba just introduced me. Uh, I'm an industrial engineer with an MBA degree. Uh, I've been working in many industries in many places in the world. I've worked in, in Canada, I've worked in Spain, and uh, most recently I've been very fortunate, or some people might not see very, very fortunate, to, to fall on to Qatar. Um, so I started Definitely working. Fortunate. <laughs> Only the winter time. Come here and see the yeah. summer. You probably won't feel the same. Um, so I felt I came onto this uh, opportunity to work with Carriage here in Qatar about uh, uh, two years. Almost going to be two years now. And um, I came. It came to be me uh, through the MBA connections. So I was doing my MBA in Spain, which I was working and studying. And uh, as you know, the typical cliche, you know, where you meet some networks and and you get to know people, right? Don't, isn't it? Yeah. As, could it be any more cliche than that? Yeah, you yeah. really follow the MBA uh, the MBA path. <laughs> yeah, and I don't like using the word you know networking because it makes it very uh, disentangled. You know, um, so yeah, it, it's a typical cliche I know for the MBA to ne- to network, but I don't like using the word network because it feels so transactional. You know, it's not genuine connections that you build, and I'd like to think that I've made some genuine connections in my MBA. So yeah, yeah. so. I did yeah, get this uh, for the MBA, and I've been hired as a managing director for Carriage. Um, for the people who don't know what Carriage is, uh, from, I hope a lot of people who are listening in from Qatar would know, but Carriage is the on-demand delivery platform. So meaning-wise, um, you, you want something and you want it now, immediately, you would order through us Carriage through the application, mobile application, or th- through a web browser. Um, the difference between a lot of people confuse on-demand with e-commerce in a, in a sense that, you know, what we work on is on-demand in a sense it's immediate, like I said, with e-commerce, it usually takes a day or two. If we're lucky in Qatar, I don't think we ever can get anything this quick here in Qatar. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but in, in, in on-demand space, you're, you're, you're ordering directly from the retail shop, the retail store. So it's available in the retail. Someone is actually on the shop's floor, uh, picking it up, and then we send the driver to the retail store, rather from a centralized place or a warehouse, uh, which is the case normally with e-commerce. So it's important to make that distinction there. And yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, so it's been it's been an exciting uh, journey, and uh, yeah. I've been fortunate to come along to you guys to help us uh, to help us a bit in what we do here. And then I think when, when did we start? About in January we started talking. February. Yeah, January, I think January, February, we started talking um, and then started working sort of March, April time. Um, but for anyone listening, just quickly, so Carriage isn't like, say, Uber Eats. You guys do more than just food, don't you? Correct. Absolutely. Yes. So thank you for bringing that up. But yeah, it's more than just food. Anything basically in a retail shop, in a retail store. So uh, the other focus, uh, we call them verticals in our in our industry is groceries. Uh, flowers is a huge part of our business. Uh, cosmetics and most recently we've had also even pharmacies uh, pharmaceuticals but only for the -the over-the-counter kind of products yeah 
yeah that must have been really yeah and and i guess interesting time also to be to be in such an industry given the global pandemic i mean what you got global pandemic hit the world by storm and that was it carriage was probably in the right place at the right time yeah and i mean the time of recording as well you guys in qatar are still in lockdown aren't you is that correct in some kind of lockdown it's some kind of lockdown. Absolutely. We went back into some sort of lockdown. It's kind of the second kind of major lockdown, we can call it. And yeah, uh, yeah absolutely, Seb, like you said, it, it's it's definitely, it's been, uh, it's been a blessing, but at the same time has imposed its own set of challenges and uh, obstacles we, that we had to overcome. Um, to, to a lot of people's surprise, actually, at the very beginning, at least in Qatar, the, the, uh, the, the, the sentiment towards delivery or having someone else handle your food and deliver it to your, to your doorstep wasn't very accepted at the very beginning when the first coronavirus wave started back in March 2020, right? People had their reservations. They're like, okay, coronavirus is spreading. I'd rather just stay at home, cook at home, like not have any much interaction with the external world. So just to correct a lot of uh, maybe misconception out there about like what, what it was at the beginning, it was very difficult at the beginning. We were struggling, but yeah. soon after people were just getting, you know, sick and tired of the same routine and they wanted something different, some change up. And then we started uh, to see a, a, a spike again in the demand that we, that we received. Yeah. You also shifted your uh, creative as well though, didn't you? So we saw some of the creative when we started and it, and you were using this uh, delivered safely a sort of infographic creative and i think i presumably that was to sort of change the perception of the sort of the people that you're trying to sell to that might not have been buying because they were worried about the driver coming and potentially spreading coronavirus but you were trying to re-educate them on the fact that you are taking precautions they are wearing their masks etc Absolutely, yes. We had to do a lot of um, uh, PR, let's say, but it wasn't just PR. I, I, I just want to go on the record that we actually took a lot of measures and precautions to make sure the safety, because we knew that we have a huge responsibility, because think about it. You have, with the amount of drivers that we have going around and getting uh, interacting with a lot of the community, and uh, it, it, we, had, we took it as a responsibility, personal responsibility, corporate responsibility, to be as careful as possible, right? We wanted to make sure, you know, people are healthy and at the same time mentally this is something that a lot of people do not discuss in regards of the, the COVID pandemic has uh, has imp- impacted is that people wanted uh, a breather they wanted something they want to order from outside they want to enjoy their favorite food but at the same time we had the responsibility so we made sure we had a daily hygiene inspections on uh, or cleaning sessions on all of the equipment of the riders we had daily me- measurements of uh, of the driver's temperatures and checking for symptoms we had educated everybody that we have in the office or outside of the office on the people on the ground the quality checks to look out for certain symptoms to make sure that you know in a case god forbid someone has any symptom or any of that sort they would be acted on immediately and we yep. would uh, we would remove them off the roster, as we say. But and also the good thing is our technology. It's very easy for us to back go back and track. You know who has who have received the order. So God forbid if we find out that a driver had uh, had the symptoms, and if we can look back for the for that day and see exactly which customers they've ordered from, and uh, we would notify the customers. But thankfully, we didn't have to do it. So yeah, it's been it's been a challenge, and it's uh, it was it's been a responsibility that we took on personally, like something that we appreciated the community and the, the people of Qatar to trust us and trust us to have their food and their favorite items delivered to them. 
Yeah, I think from my first-hand experience anyway, uh, guilty of ordering probably one too many meals through carriage. <laughs> it was always a really, really nice experience. And I always actually felt super confident that the food was like clean, delivered safely and, and timely as well. So I'm actually, uh, as as well as I would say, a partner with carriage now, I'm definitely a fan as well. So. Great. That's great to hear. I'm glad that you guys felt it on the ground as well, because, yeah, we don't want to do it just PR, but we wanted to also be extra careful what we do actually on the grounds. Yeah, no, for sure. And actually, I guess having had the experience with Carriage ourselves, like our personal experience for us at Nova, it was you know, a company that we really saw great potential in. And we definitely thought that there was like exciting opportunities in the digital space because Qatar being a small market, competitive even in your industry, we know that doing digital properly could definitely get some great results for carriage. So that's actually originally why we reached out. But I do remember back when we reached out that you were sort of hesitant about the whole thing and you were questioning us and saying, why this, why that? You know, it's going to be expensive for us. But, you know, we really hope that we changed your perspective on that, you know. And if you yeah. could tell us a little bit about where it first came from and the, the hesitance and now where you are today would be really cool to hear that journey, how it went. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to say again, I want to thank you guys again for being so patient. I think we did start the discussions in January and we only kicked it off until, I think until March. So it took a lot of back and forth and convincing and handholding from your side to make sure that I'm comfortable with this and be comfortable. And I really appreciate <laughs> that. And, uh, and we're always hesitant because there's a little bit of a stigma to come with marketing because we've had also bad experiences before with large yeah. marketing agencies, right? Because carriage didn't just exist in Qatar only. We used to exist in five uh, GCC countries in, in Qatar. So we had to do, when we were at that scale, now not, not anymore, we're 100% solely, solely focused on Qatar. But back then, you have to, when you're operating in multiple countries, you always have these regional deals. And one of those regional deals was, was uh, a large marketing agency. And we were paying through the roof like to that service. And to be honest, in the in the nine month that I was working, six to nine months we worked with them, I didn't yeah. see anything tangible results for, for them, right? They, it was always like cross-charging. They're doing some creatives that were supposed to be rolled out across the markets. But for Qatar itself, I never felt anything really tangible. Yeah. Uh, so that was when I got a bit more excited to hear about Nova and what can Nova can do, especially that you guys, you know, very focused and involved. I really love the fact that, you know, you, Anton and Seb, both of you, the co-founders are worked hands on and you know it inside out. You know, you're not just, you know, some 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 sitting somewhere far in your office and just making deals and, and, and stepping back which is, I would hope that you guys will be able to do that one day. One day as you know. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> but uh, it was really nice to feel that hands-on. And the other reason, the main reason for the hesitation is given that uh, Carriage, we're part of a, um, a German company called Delivery Hero. And along with that comes uh, a lot of set of uh, rules or like uh, guidelines. And uh, there's bureaucracies just in like any large size corporation. Yeah, of course. Uh, and I remember when we first started talking and you guys are telling me paid socials. I'm like, no, how do I, how do I let them down easily? How do I tell them? <laughs> we tested and tried before and it did not, uh, was not, uh, uh, so received a lot of praise or, 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 or success in Delivery Hero. So I'm like, you know what, before I tell them, let me reach out to Delivery Hero, run some statistics, some data analytics. And then I remember I shared with you some uh, high level numbers, rough numbers about this yeah. cost. Per acquisition, right? You guys remember, I think the numbers. Yeah. yeah. 
and it was quite significant. Uh, I don't want to quote it again. There was numbers, but they were no, quite expensive to 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 hear those numbers and figures. I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, you know, like we're being very careful with our marketing spend as well at the same time. And I'm like, these guys are coming to me and with the most inefficient channel. And I'm like, oh my god, it's such. A, I don't want to tell yeah. them. No, turn them down. I, th- I think then, out of five, I think out of five different marketing routes, paid social was like the fifth sort of least important essentially uh, below least. sort of display yeah. influencer guerrilla marketing yeah. Um, yeah. and it, it was yeah it was just not on your priority at all it, it was i think you guys then out of home i think you're not even about <laughs> yeah. which is normally i think a traditional marketing out of home nobody want to be compared to out of home but yeah. uh, it, it was quite yeah down that list absolutely on top. we were determined we were determined as soon as hani said that we're like We've got to change this perception and we're not going to let it go otherwise. <laughs> and I'm glad you did it because this has changed my mind absolutely completely when it comes to paid social and its effectiveness. Uh, and, I, and I liked how you guys were very flexible in regards of like, listen, we're doing a limited engagement. You you give us the budget that you're, you're comfortable with and you'll see the results and you're going to be begging us to put in more. I'm like, yeah, it's a typical sales pitch. Yeah, all right, sure. <laughs> let's go ahead. But lo and behold, like it was, it blew me out of the water. I think we can share some return on investment or return on spend, uh, some figures, how many X we did. It was like two figures, three figure multipliers. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't mind us sharing that, I'm sure Anton will be definitely proud to. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, we can always bleep, we can always bleep it out, but. Yeah. Um, These were yeah, record breaking. We- These were really record breaking figures for us. So we were pleased to have this chance as well. I think without having the exact figures in front of me, we were above 50x return on ad spend. That's, I, th- I don't think, at least you guys know better probably, but at least in my, my experience, in my industry from Delivery Hero, I've never heard this kind of returns, which is astonishing. So yeah, at first I had the high reservations, but then you guys were really kind to, to baby hold us and uh, through the process and just comforting us along the way. And like, whatever you're comfortable with, you can spend. And we started seeing the numbers. I'm like, and you're like asking me, can we remove the limit? I'm like, yes, remove the limit. Let's go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> but no, it, it was for me, that that's one number reason why I had my, my reservations is the knowledge that I received from delivery here from our head office regarding how inefficient this channel and just, and uh, a natural inclination or or uh, reservations toward it. I just didn't see Facebook ads as efficient as uh, as efficient. I didn't know the, the the extent of its capabilities, the the segmentations, the reach, the analysis, the dashboards, the continued like the real time data they receive back. So it was for me. Yeah. That another reason is just a black box that I put money in. I'm not yeah. sure how exactly it works, and then it just sees some results. Hopefully, I think from our point of view, we saw it as we were seeing success in the UK with food delivery, albeit not sort of app-based on-demand delivery, um, frozen meal delivery companies. But in Qatar, you're in a similar situation where you were in and out of lockdowns. You had uh, lots of people sort of sitting at home and no one was tapping into that market with a direct advert to those people with those direct interests who we know like ordering from the brands that you work with because the data tells us that they do 
And we could literally just drop an image in front of them, explaining that you are safely delivering them food. You have the ability to do it. All you have to do is download the app and you can have your favorite restaurants, your favorite flowers, your pharmacy, sort of pharmaceuticals delivered to your door. And I, I think that's probably the success. I know Seb and I have talked about it before, about how we believe Qatar especially is quite an untapped market when it comes to paid social, because the people that are doing it might not be sort of, like you said, tapping into the segmentation, the the sort of the specific audiences, excluding audiences, et cetera. Um, but are you on that same wavelength now? Do you think that there's a lot of opportunity in Qatar maybe to do paid social the way we've done it for you? I think absolutely. And I, and I want to go back to the point. I think I mentioned it to you guys before in regards that people here are still on the on the bandwagon. You know, how everybody, and like everyone in the world, there's, there's trends that people follow, even businesses. And one of the trends that a lot of people are following is influencers. Yeah. And, and this is something us as Carriage actually we've experienced. And uh, back to your point about the feedback that we received in terms of effectiveness, uh, Influencers has always been, at least for Qatar, top ranked as the most effective channel. But it was what we did last year. Uh, first, the challenge with influencers is get, they're getting a lot more expensive. They're very, very expensive. And it's not as what people think as, uh, as uh, you cannot control it as much. It's still a big net you're sending out and you cannot control. And sometimes when you control the influencer and you tell them what to do, then it, it loses the whole point of having an influencer is to become something organic that they can advocate for. But when you start putting some guardrails around them, then it loses its effectiveness. That's one. And two, it's quite expensive. It's really yeah. expensive that people don't realize this. And you get a very limited, um, uh, limited what's it called, uh, uh, interaction or, or exposure that you get. It's only like you pay per post and that's it. And that post is going to get buried on the influencer page. It's going to get buried on your social media. So it's not something, a channel that you can keep on reusing regularly. And the third big, biggest issue for me for influencers uh, is that it's very hard to track, to see the effectiveness, uh, what worked, what did not work. You cannot go on, on like in real time like you guys were doing with us. Like you're going to, we try one creative and you guys monitor on a daily basis and you see exactly how it's performing. And then you yeah. guys come back to us and tell us, oh, listen, guys, this creative is not very working very well. Let's redirect, uh, divert some uh, some of the funds or the, some of the budget over to this other creative. And then as soon as we see results, the high result, then we start putting some more into it. So I think this for me, knowing this, uh, I would have much rather used this channel, especially it's a, it's a consistent channel. Like for someone in our space, it's very important, we call it this, to stay top of mind. You need because people, when they order food or they order something on demand, it's most of the time it's something that they need on the spot. You know, it, it's a yep. spontaneous decision. So you don't have the time to like, oh, let me scroll through my Instagram and look through the different posts from my influencers and see what my influencers recommend. No, you yeah, want something that's always top and front of your mind. So when you're ready to order, oh, I want to order carrot, which yep. is why I like this channel of paid socials is that you can maintain the post or you can keep we, we can we can set the target right if the campaign if our objective was to stay on top of mind i think we would have customized our marketing work we did with you guys is to maintain a, a, like a number of certain exposure per user to keep in mind the reminding people about us so yeah, exactly that 
Yeah, it's it's. I think for the marketing spend and for the ex, ex, the time ex, uh, exposure, it's a much better channel than what I what we think here in Qatar at least as influencers. Now going back, I sorry, I went on a tandem here about influencers because That's this is okay. a lot of people no, are no, interested in their money. But there's definitely is market for paid social just because it's. I think it's untapped. No one is doing it really in a professional manner. And uh, with full transparency, and this is what I loved as well like, about you guys, is that you guys were willing to sit down with us and walk us through the algorithm and how to even set up our campaigns. You know, uh, other people look into it like they'd rather keep that kind of information to themselves, to, you know, so that you would keep coming back uh, to you. But even after you guys explained it to me, I'm like, you know what, I really appreciate you explaining it to me, but that's not something I would just go about myself and do it. Yeah, it takes time. That's the thing. But, but like Seb always says to everyone we speak to, like we built this agency of ours based on transparency. We've 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 both worked in startups and and we've worked with other people doing this type of job that have, like you said, hidden certain aspects of whether it's the ad spend, whether it's can't go in the account and see what audiences they're putting together because actually they're not changing them as often as they should be. And so we try and well, we do, we allow our clients to have access to everything and we're more than happy to sit down and walk you through exactly how we do things um i mean it was fun wasn't it we, we did like what like an hour session a couple of weeks yeah, ago we where did. we just went through everything in the platform and i've learned in that hour more than i did in the whole two years i worked okay it's like <laughs> 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 there, but it, it was quite there to be educational and uh, and one of the like another thing about paid social when i when i look at paid social i always have this thinking that it's only for startups, you know, for a new company, they want to put the word out there that they're doing. And this is another reason why I was had a bit of hesitation in regards to paid social is that we're the incumbent, right? We're, uh, for people who don't know the market in Qatar, like Talabat has been around for a long time, but we were the first one in the Qatar market to provide um, our own driver's delivery. So we weren't just an aggregator where we just uh, transmit the order between the customer and the restaurant and the restaurant does the delivery. We actually introduced the own drivers and the first company to do the live tracking of the driver as they delivering the order to you. So in, in the space of this, we've been around here for a bit over three years now, four years almost. And so in, in our space, it, it, in other industries, maybe three, four years is not a long time, but in our industry, it's quite a long time. And we're the incumbent here. You know, we're the ones who the, the new players are the challengers coming to challenge us. So I also see that I viewed paid social as being something more effective for new company, new startups, regardless of the industry. But I always thought like it's the easiest or that's the most uh, efficient way to get the word out there. But uh, yeah. I was absolutely wrong. That's a yeah, really, I think, that's, oh, carry on, Anton. I should say because of the targeting, I guess. Yeah. Like we, uh, the fact that we're able to sort of retarget existing customers and kind of keep them engaged in the brand as well, keeps that kind of brand loyalty there. And um and so, yeah, it means that, yeah, this type of advertising isn't solely for sort of top of funnel activity only. Um, and it and then it works for businesses that have been established longer than startups. Yeah, I think it's super interesting, Hani, to hear like about how you perceive paid social and how actually, you know, your perceptions of it have changed and, you know, the value of influencers. And we've actually across the board with a lot of our clients, we've seen the content that influencers create is really valuable. So like the the videos that they produce and, 
you know, recording their experience are valuable because it's it's genuine. It's recorded by a real person. It's not a you know, graphic designer or a production video, but it's how it's used and how the reach is limited is the issue. In many cases, we actually, we take that content from influencers because they're usually quite good at producing it, but we repurpose it in adverts. So like you said, you can get that consistency, you know, user-generated content now people love and I think originally that's why influencers became popular because people trusted the content that they put. Um, but now you're able to repurpose that user-generated content and use it across ads. And I mean, a couple of the ads we ran for Carriage actually were more like user-generated style, which were, to be honest, our best performing bits of creative. So it's interesting that you know, influencers' significance is maybe changing, but their content is still being used heavily across many other areas of marketing as well. I was I was going a little bit harsher on influencers. You should be a diplomatic step, but yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I still agree paid social is better every time. Paid social every time. <laughs> yeah. But credit where it's due, we always like to have good content. So shout yeah. out to the influencers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, absolutely. I see your point, yeah. Do, yeah, essentially you that also, I think, you, you touched a little bit as well on, on data and being able to track what they do. Um, I think actually it probably makes a good transition time to pass it over to Anton to chat through a little bit about our glorious data studio dashboards that we, we share with our clients. And I know, Hanny, you have a bit to say on that as well. So, yeah, I think, think Glorious is, I think sell, Glorious no, is sell our too nice to sell them. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, obviously, Hanny, you had access to one of our dashboards. And for anyone listening, we provide almost live data um, imported into Data Studio um, automatically. Um, and that allows our clients to see their KPIs. And, and it means you don't have to go digging through Facebook Ads Manager, the TikTok Manager, whichever platform we're working on. What is So obviously, we built this dashboard slightly differently for you because... We, we had other metrics that we wanted to hit. It wasn't like a standard e-commerce shop. We wanted to be looking at app installs. And, and there were other KPIs that you came to us and you were interested in seeing. What was your experience with the dashboard? And then what's your experience with Data Studio? Because we know that you are very good with Data Studio. And are you able to elaborate on the amount of hours you've spent working on your signature Data Studio dashboard? <laughs> exclusive access to the amount of time there's been worked on the dashboard <laughs> okay well let's break it down let's say that when you guys came forward and you said that you have data studio that's for me was the point of no return that's like i knew i found my eternal love with nova plus I'm, I'm, I'm like you guys do whatever you need to do if you're gonna if you're gonna speak my language um, in regards of how much time I've spent, I, I shouldn't maybe <laughs> disclose that given that I should be focusing a little bit more uh, important or something, things at my level I should be focusing on. But let's say it took about three to four months of developing our own internal data studio because we wanted to empower the employees and we have we wanted to give our, our partners, our business partners, the restaurants and whatnot, some information that you guys exactly have been providing. Now, I can't say it looks as pretty or as nice as your, your dashboard. Actually, given the extensive knowledge and information that I know about my about Dashboard Data Studio, I think you guys surpassed even my expectation. I know you guys are a bit nervous knowing how much I know about Data Studio, but 
you guys should be 100% confident with what you've, you've provided. And it's real time. It's almost real time. Whereas my data studios, they're not that fancy. It's a weekly data feed. We update it on a weekly basis, but you guys surpassed my expectation. It's been great. Like for me, like I'm a true believer in data, right? I believe yeah. data is where you should be making basic decisions based on data. And no one has an excuse, I think, in most, almost all industries, no one has an excuse anymore saying, okay, we don't have data, so we're not going to make our decisions based off data. That's almost un, unjustified, you know? There's always data out there. So when I was able to see also the data, again, speaking to the transparency that you guys, you guys were, were confident enough that you were able to, you, you're like, you know what, here's a dashboard, you can you can follow us, you can track us every way through the progress, through the process, and you can see the results for yourself. So I really enjoyed that part. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a data geek at heart. I've always been. <laughs> I've, built, I've used to build, uh, this is how I started my whole career in, in Canada in a, just in a retail company. I basically kind of built the whole uh, database where we share reports with our suppliers on a weekly basis with their sharing them their KPIs. So for me, data structures and reporting is always something been dear and close to my heart. And uh, you guys definitely uh, met the expectations. Awesome to hear. I mean, knowing, seeing your dashboard before we provided you with our dashboard and knowing how well you know Data Studio, the amount of time Seb and I, when we were building this dashboard out for you, were like, oh no, but what if he picks out this or is it going to be good? Is it going to be good enough for him? <laughs> no, it was absolutely perfect. I really loved it. It was really nice that you guys were able to, you don't have to, like you said, I think even Facebook has that kind of data. So it's even you guys went uh, a little bit above and beyond the call of duty and provide us with another more, more easier to digest. Like you said, not a lot of people, I'm not comfortable for like, it's still, I, I like to think I'm, I'm kind of tech savvy and I'm good with uh, uh, technology, but when it comes to Facebook management, you guys have experienced it. You've seen my experience with it. It's been, if Facebook is just sometimes can be absolutely, I don't know what's the word to, should I use here? Yeah. It's a beast, it's isn't it? It just changes. and Yeah, it just changes all the time, exactly. And then the multiple pages you have to go through and the clicks and the links, it depends where which page you fall on, you're able to change the settings, then you have to, it's just a maze for me, right? Even for someone that likes, can fit, that can uh, uh, go through the maze of uh, technology, but it was definitely challenging. So much easier to have a dashboard. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're glad you liked it. Um, but yeah, I guess that leads us on to like our last point. So we try and keep these podcasts to 20 minutes if we can, but if we really so like interesting. You, it goes to 30. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we really like you, it goes to 30. It's been so much fun listening to you speak about carriage and everything that we've been doing with you guys for the last few months now. But we have one final question that uh, we're going to be asking everyone going forward. And it is, if you are looking to stack cheddar over, la- over the next five to 10 years, where are you going to be putting your money? Ooh. What industry are you going to be investing in? Yeah, what technology what exactly? Well, that kind of implies that I have Shutter in the first place to stack. <laughs> 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 I don't have that much uh, Shutter, but if I would, ah, that's a tough one. I think this is going to be this is what I tell at least my nephews, my nephew, my niece, the younger generation. I know it doesn't have to do with the Shutter, but I think it's also the direction I think the world is is what to do with ethics and morality that governs like AI um, and that that kind of new fields, you know, Internet of thing, Things and that sort of things. Uh, yeah. I think we've reached a point where, you know, we re- this technology is really advancing at a very um, uh, uh, fast pace. 
and we're going to get eventually to a point where where we have the technology and we we're not really we, we don't know how to govern it exactly you know we understand and it becoming it goes uh, it goes out of our control out of our hands we're still going to always need something that to do with ethics and morality and creativity so if i would have to put my money in there i think it's any kind of platform or I hate the word use platform has been used so much over the, the last few years it's been used and abused but yes. any industry that basically democratizes the information and at the same time provides some uh, guidelines for ethics and moralities that whatever technology comes out even if it goes out of our control we can always uh, bring it back and uh, align it with our human values yeah no that's that's really good and to be honest it's it's needed like even just like if you look at social platforms at the moment there's there's probably a lot of work that needs to go into these social platforms just to stay on top of sort of morality and ethics um and i'm sure i mean you see it all the time in the in the us news like the the government's always trying to pick up on facebook for bits and bobs and and tiktok and um and outside of social you're right looking at ai there's obviously elon musk is a a big one he's saying how dangerous ai could potentially be in the future um, i'm not sure if you're a marvel watcher but ultron was ai that spiraled and and went and tried to take over the world and destroy humankind <laughs> i mean that's probably an extreme but you're right in the future there's going to need to be some kind of governing body maybe and and guidelines and rules that protect us from whatever we're able to create in the next five to ten years I think, yeah, and what scares me, the example, I will see that AI is built on machine learning. Machine learning is built on big data. Where does big data, where is this, all these machines are learning from? Where are they scraping their information, the data? They're scraping their information off of the internet. So there is going to be inherent biases. Like we keep saying that humans are biased, but because of the internet as itself, like people circulate information. Unfortunately, bad news is what makes the news, right? This is what sells. This is what gets people's attention. And this yep. is what on the internet is full of. So I think one example that uh, that I can't escape my mind is a picture where they're teaching the machine or the, the, the algorithm to identify pictures of fireworks and picture of bombing or like to flag something that has to do with bombing. And then you see a picture of fireworks that kind of really resembles like a, a bombing or some, some uh, atrocity happening somewhere in the world. And the machine almost all the time would, would identify that firework as a bombing. And now, I don't even get into the racial stuff that, you know, you know, people of other different colors, skin color, because of the information on the data already existing, there's biases toward a certain race, a certain ethnic group. And then when that picture comes on, it might be the algorithm, for example, for insurance or for or for uh, background checks, the back algorithm would be inherently biased because of all the data that's already been fed over the internet that would still flag that person unjustly for being uh, just because of a certain ethnic group or, or skin color. So yeah. there's going to be, I need a lot of work here. So I want to put my money there and I put my money on water. Water is the next more most important yeah. resource. Yeah, 100%. Water is more expensive per barrel than oil. I mean, it's not hard because oil is probably not that expensive at the moment, but sort of when oil was $50 a barrel, water was still more expensive per barrel. We think a bottle of water is what, £2.50? Um, you think if you times that by the amount of litres in a, in a barrel, you're paying a, a hell of a lot more for water. Absolutely. I never thought about it that way. Absolutely. It is. This is why always the plan is to go back to, to Canada 
our home country, yeah. find me some piece of land with a nice uh, water fountain and it's some wa <laughs> natural water source. <laughs> That's the good yeah. life. That's the good Bye. life. Please. Yeah. Nice one. Well, thank you so much, Hani. I mean, if that isn't food for thought for the listeners, then I'm not really sure what is. So thanks for your time. Really enjoyed chatting um, and looking forward to sort of keeping in touch and you know, seeing obviously more exciting growth from Carriage. And uh, yeah, thanks for your time. Yeah, it's been thank great having you on. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you guys for having me and being patient as well again. <laughs> no <laughs> worries. And yeah. you also for our listeners, these are the most important. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Yeah, cheers. See ya. Cheers. Bye-bye.